Good morning, everyone. Let's grab our uh, bulletins and take a real quick look at some of the things we have scheduled coming up. Uh, you know the evening assembly is at the Kirkpatrick's, as well as the Wednesday evening assembly this week. Uh, also, too, next week, make note, next week we are going to be uh, having our family fellowship dinner on Wednesday night uh, at the Kirkpatrick's. So if you want to make note of that, that'd be great. Uh, also, too, uh, the Bible uh, adult, adult, college-age Bibles uh meeting will be tomorrow night at our place and uh, i should just read my notes so i'm not scattered uh july 20th the fellowship dinner july 31st drillinger barbecue uh for evening assembly starting at 5 30 and then the g4 summit men's camp is coming up august 4th through 6th and are there any other announcements that we should be made aware of this morning All right here we go papa ken I like you when you lead, I like you leading songs. He likes you all the time, but he likes you when you're leading songs. Well, I'm sure that, I'm sure that's the case. Wow. That was, that would have been really bad. All right, Scott, Scott Kirkpatrick, you are diligent in commending others for their godly qualities, and it's a huge encouragement. Amen. I really appreciate your spiritual growth. I can agree with that one wholeheartedly. All right, Ryan. Ryan, your message was awesome. Ty, there you go. I kind of like this lesson too because, man, I'm telling you what, I thought, you know, losing it uh, up here in front of God and the whole world was just an old man thing. But it's nice to know that it can be a young man thing too. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Rick, Ellie, it is such a blessing and great encouragement to see you both in assembly. We all continue to pray for your whole family. Uh, thank you for being such an amazing example of fellowship and faithfulness in the Lord's church. And we love you. It's awesome. Andrew, wow. Your lesson this morning about the hymn writer Charles Wesley and singing his songs was awesome. Uh, thank you for taking the time to do the research and development of the lesson. Can't wait until next week. That was awesome. It was great. I learned a whole bunch of stuff uh, this morning. So, all right, here we go. Bill, your Bible class was so incredibly encouraging, even virtually. Okay, so virtually it was incredible. That's great. Cool. Thank you, whoever did that. Uh, Tony, Tony, there you go. Good smile. Uh, we're all so happy to see you here today. Your presence is a bright ray of sunshine, and so is your smile and your encouraging words. A multitude of hearts. You are truly one of a kind. Amen. There we go. That was good. All right, Halstead family, appreciate uh, you taking on my burden in taking care of Max while we were in Michigan. And Max is not his grandson. Max is his dog. So there you go. Thank you, <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. You never know. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, hey, grab your little note sheets today. Uh, I kind of got it really kind of dialed in. I, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. Uh, I want to read my introduction because the introduction is going to kind of set the stage for the next several lessons and uh, usually I kind of shoot from the hip and many of you know when I shoot from the hip man a lot of people get hurt so I don't want to do that today I want to be real controlled 
I'm going to try to be really controlled. <laughs> and so, but let's start by turning to Luke chapter 6. Let's listen to the wisdom of Christ in Luke in chapter 6. And uh, this is um, this is kind of a sad commentary. You know, you oftentimes hear this and, and uh, it, it's really heartbreaking, honestly. So in, in Luke in, in chapter 6, and verse 46, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And there's another passage in the book of Matthew says the same thing. When you call, you call me Lord, but then you don't follow through. You know, you kind of wonder, and this is a part of the lesson, I kind of wonder when someone says Jesus is my Lord, but then they don't follow through, do they really trust Jesus? Do they really trust him? with their life. Now, if he is Lord and he is sovereign and he's all-knowing, all-wise, he's omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, he knows all things, is everywhere and is uh, never surprised by what's happening in your future or mine, why do we not trust him so much that we just follow through with what he asks us to do? The second passage of scripture has to do with trust as well related to the lesson. Look at the lesson title, by the way, if you wouldn't mind. Building our trust in the Lord takes time. I mean, building our trust in the Lord is like building our trust in people. I think sometimes, and I don't mean to be mean when I say this, sometimes we give people the benefit of the doubt. I was listening actually to a, a, a newscast uh, earlier this week on, on uh, uh, talk radio 1120. And there was an expert on that said, we have a tendency to want to trust people, which is good, I guess. But they end up, what happens is when you trust people and then they take advantage of you, it can really be scarring and damaging. And so it's important for us to have the mindset of Christ. You know, Jesus loved everybody, but he trusted them when they proved trustworthy. And it takes time to build that trusting relationship. It really does. And so let's take a look at this passage of scripture, which there's so much in this verse about it takes time to really know uh, the Lord. And so in Luke chapter 14, excuse me, John chapter 14. Gospel of John, I'm reading my notes. This is good. Gospel of John and chapter 14. That's always helpful. And some of you are very familiar with this passage and We've looked at this scripture in a whole bunch of different ways, but not so much from time, taking time to come to know him. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? 
He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, how can you say show us the Father? Do you, not, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and, or excuse me, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Now you're saying, what is, where's the time frame in there? about knowing knowing God. To build trust in the Lord takes time. The first thing in your introductory statement is the word how. How do we build trust in the Lord? That's a great question to ask and it's a great question to answer. The more often you can ask yourself how Lord to do something and then search the scriptures, he will answer you how to accomplish something. So we asked the question this morning, how do we learn to trust you, Lord? Well, look at the next word there. He, God, must prove himself to be perfect in character, perfect in competence, and perfect in constancy. Those are the three cornerstone principles of trust. Someone must prove themselves to be care, a man of, or woman of great character, impeccable character, one who is competent, able to do what they say they're going to do, and then constancy. They do that over and over and over again. You take any one of those three little uh, cornerstone principles out and trust goes away. So he, God, must prove himself to be perfect in character, competence, and constance. Now, he has and continues to prove himself. So the, the, the other side of the equation is, well, I'm the one that wants to trust him. We should be the ones that desire to trust him. Because when things get crazy, if we don't trust him, we're going to default to our own way of doing things. And that's where oftentimes we get ourselves in trouble. So the next several we's relate to us. First, we must come to know him. We must come to know Jesus Christ just as we would come to know a person. It takes a long time to learn to trust someone because it takes a long time to really come to know a person in, in every facet and every way. Sometimes it might take a lifetime. I think oftentimes we enter into very serious and important relationships and we don't really know the person that we're entering into that relationship with and then it really gets rocky and ugly pretty fast. So we must come to know him. Second, we must come to be persuaded he is who he claims to be. We must be absolutely persuaded that Jesus is God that he is God in the flesh and has manifested the very character and nature of God. If we don't believe that, we're going to have some warped picture of who Jesus is, and then he lets us down. I had a conversation, sadly, just this last week, where someone said, hey, I prayed to Jesus for this particular thing, and he never delivered. 
And I thought about the choices that that person had been making. And the choices that person had been making were resulting in some very devastating consequences. And so when they were asking God to bless them while they're doing that which is opposite of what God calls them to be and do, and they're suffering the consequence, it's not that's not on God. So I'm, I'm giving this thing up. I don't trust God. God's character is impeccable. His, his, his ability to deliver is perfect, and he's a constant, but we need to live within his will. We must come to be sure of him and his provision. Absolutely rock solid sure. We read the scripture. We see what it says. I'm sure that he's going to deliver because that promise is there. I need to know what I'm to do to fulfill that, my part of that promise. Have you ever noticed that God's promises, most of them are conditional? They're conditional. See, so it's important for us to write, what's my part in this relational promise, this relational covenant? See, so we must come to, to be sure or be sure of him and his follow-through and his provision. Finally, we must prove our trust by relying on him. We must prove our trust by relying on him and obeying him. It's basically being faithful. Was Jesus faithful to go to the cross, knowing you in advance, bearing your sins in advance, and then allowing you the opportunity to choose him or not choose him, allowing you to receive the blessings of salvation or not? He died for all of us, every single one of us, and every single human being has an opportunity and a choice. Now, whether they choose him or not, is God's not going to make you choose him. But he's done his part. So it's important for us to understand what do we need to do to trust him? Well, we need to know him fully. We need to be persuaded that he is going to uh, follow through and be who he says he is. And we need to also to be sure of that and obey him. Now, look at my first point this morning. How do we come to know him? I want to read 2 Timothy. We've read this verse before, but 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Some of you have it memorized. But let's go back there and take a look at what I just wrote in the introduction. Paul actually said. 2 Corinthians and chapter 2, or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And verse 12, Paul basically has written here in one verse, my introduction. So I'm not as good as Paul, I'm working on it. All right, listen to this beautiful statement. For this reason, I also suffer these things, this reason of preaching the gospel. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed. And here it is, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced or persuaded that he is able, he's competent to guard what I have entrusted to him. I'm sure of him until that day. Do you see that in that one little verse, all of those steps of building trust are there. I know him. I'm persuaded. I've trusted. I've proved him. And he's followed through. 
You see, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote that, as you well know, was on death row. On death row, he, it, from the writing, it seems as if he knew his day of execution. I don't know about you, but he said, I'm here, this is coming my way, but I know and am persuaded that he is able to keep that, that's the competency, that which I've entrusted to him, my soul, my life. So I hope that you'll go back in the lessons to come and look at Jesus. Was he, is he, will he be absolutely constant in character and competence in providing and protecting and delivering you? Now, how do we come to know him? Look at that first statement. It takes time. It takes time. How much time do you spend getting to know the Lord each day? How much time do you spend getting to know the Lord each day? You say, well, I don't even know how to do that. Well, we're going to share it in just a second. But you have to be willing to invest some time. Would you agree that in order to get to know somebody, you need to spend some time with them? You, you can't know someone very well unless you spend time with them. If you don't spend time with them, they're an unknown. You don't know what they think because you don't hear what they say and you don't see what they do. You can't know them. So time is really a, a critical piece here. So let's go back and look at John chapter 14, verse 7, 8, and 9 once again, and listen to the time frame. Going back to the Gospel of John, and uh, some of you will know this time frame immediately. Verse uh, 7, 8, and 9. He's talking to Philip here. He says, if, if you had known me, and he's talking to Thomas here, if you would have known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip pipes up and says to Jesus, Lord, show us the father and it is enough. And then Jesus gives a time frame here. Jesus says, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now, how, how long had Philip been with Jesus? Do you know? The scriptures are very clear. This is when he's at the Last Supper table. The Last Supper table. He's about ready to be killed. Philip has been with him for a little over three years. And how often has he been with him? Once a week on Sunday morning? No, Philip has been with him day after day after day after day. It says in the scriptures, and Philip was an apostle, and so was Thomas, by the way. Do you, to be an apostle, you had to be there when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River all the way till the end when he ascends back up into heaven. That was one of the requirements of being an apostle of Jesus Christ. So over three years, day in, day out, do you think that Philip had seen and heard everything Jesus said? And you know he said it more than once. Man, several times. Whoa, man, Jesus broken record. This must be an important point he wants to get across. And you know, even up to the very end, they still were kind of like, huh? So there's hope for us. I'm just saying. There's hope for us. All right? Because here it is. It's been three plus years, and he still doesn't get that Jesus is the embodiment of God the Father. And so, whew, oh man, okay, thank you, Lord, for this example. But notice, Jesus would not leave them or forsake them. 
Would they leave and forsake him? Would they deny him? Yeah, but Jesus wouldn't do that for them. He was that constant. Same for us. So in other words, he's patient with you. Aren't you glad? I don't know about you, but whenever I read about the patience of God, I'm going, man, it's been 40 years. I'm almost 40 years old in the Lord. August 12th is coming up. I do feel it in my... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel it otherwise, but 40 years old in the Lord? I'm still thankful for his patience. And you're saying, you're that bad? Well, I have to tell you, I'm a lot better than what I was, but I still got some room for improvement. I don't know if, that, if that's where you're at, but that's where I'm at. Now, I know some preachers would go, <gasps> you're all messed up in your thinking. No, I'm not. I know that I have the potential to be perfect in everything. Notice, potential is not practice. Potential is you can and I'm working towards that goal. Amen? Amen? Of course. But the reality is this, is I need to know him better so I can trust him more. So when we take a look at this, how much time had Thomas and Philip been with Jesus? A little over three and a half years. So note, notice I have a little note there. I want you to write this down. If you don't write anything else down, write this one down. Note. Time only is not enough for you to get to know someone. I've known people that have been in, their, in the church all their life and they still don't know Jesus. I'm not being mean when I say that. That's more of, that's more of a shot across the bow of the preachers and the teachers than it is necessarily the person. Although each one of us has a, a responsibility to learn. So time only is not enough. Quality time is the answer. Quality time. Well, what is quality time? Let's take a look. That's the next bullet point on point number one. Listening. Listening is a part of quality time and coming to know somebody. Listening. I know what, I, I'm going to be kind of critical on, on men here in the audience. And boys as well. So boys, listen up. Man, it seems like there's a genetic in the male gene that is geared towards selective hearing. Now there's some giggling and some smiles. That's confirmation right there. Some of them are good. I'm not, gonna, I'm not looking up. All that are shaking and the giggling. See, there's a genetic in there somewhere. No, I don't know. I, I just think we have the propensity to go, 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 and not listen to stop, 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 there's a cliff. I think that's sometimes how that works, I think. Okay? So my point is this, is that in order to know someone, you need to be a good listener. Why does it seem like our wives have run circles around us? I know I'm not the only one. Man, she knows what I'm going to do before I even get there. So I listen to my lovely bride. She's my helpmate. She's helped me stay out of trouble a lot. Thankful for that. I am. My point is listening. Can I suggest that we all need to grow in our listening empathetically? Huh? Empathetically? What is that? You spit on yourself empathetically what does that mean you know what sympathy means right so empathetically means emotion em em 
E-M, empathetically. Means that you need to, to listen and watch and from the words said and how they're said when you're listening to understand the emotion that's coming through from the other person. So how does that relate to listening to Jesus? Well, you know, when you open up the scripture, when you open up the scripture, listen to what he says and the words that he uses and look at the context of the words that he uses with the people he's using them for. When he's talking to the holier-than-thou crew, he says, Whoa, scribes and Pharisees. I don't think he's doing that with a smile on his face. Something like, you guys are a bunch of knuckleheads. See, he's trying to get him to wake up and smell the coffee. That law-keeping is death. And yet, when there was a, a woman who realized how desperately she was in sin, she comes to him, how gentle. What beautiful words of love and mercy. You see, we need to recognize that when we read the scriptures, we need to actually put ourselves into that situation and see what Jesus is doing to help everyone. We can learn to trust him pretty quickly if we do that. So when you read, you should be listening. I say read for understanding. Put yourself in his situation. And here's what I love to do. Is I always like to ask the question, Jesus, why did you say that? Why did you do that? And then it draws me to, who was he talking to? What was the situation? Who was he trying to teach? What was the lesson he was trying to teach? It's amazing what ends up happening. Because you know what you'll find out if you'll do that? If you'll listen to Jesus like that? That guy was a master of touching every heart in every audience with what they needed. That guy was absolutely perfect when it came to concern for the other person's soul or person's souls when he spoke. And he was so skilled, competent, like oozing out of that guy. He never missed a beat. He always was teaching everybody all the time in what he said. Hmm. And it was a constant. He didn't change the message. He didn't change the way he dealt with individuals. I don't know about you, but I really appreciate when I look to Jesus that he's a constant. And then when I see Paul being transformed, have you ever noticed when you look at Paul when he's younger and you see Paul at the end and you listen to his voice, that guy was transformed. Vile, enraged, hateful. And then at the very end, just so loving and so thankful for John Mark, who he wanted to rip his head off earlier in his ministry. But now just so deeply thankful for John Mark and the amazing servant that he was of God. There's a transformation there. God gave him time. There's hope for me. Whew. Hope for me. So, hope for us. But look at the next one, observation. You know what Jesus said? Well, let's go back there. You're in John chapter 14. Take a look. What does he say in verse 9? Verse 9. Jesus said to Philip, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Listen to this. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. 
Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, observation. A man says one thing, and if he does something different, don't trust him. That's mean. It's not mean. If he's a man of integrity, or if she's a woman of integrity, what she says is what she'll do. They'll follow through. That's that constancy piece. When God says something... He means it and he follows through. He always does. Every time you read in the scriptures, a promise. Look at that promise. God said he would do it. And if you will trust him and follow through, you'll see the answer come through. I've seen that over and over and over and over in my life. Sometimes the answer isn't exactly how I want it. But the reality is after I think about it, that's exactly what I needed. I praise God for him. Because as you hear his word and you observe how he responds to you now in this present day when you call upon him, as you read the scriptures, amazing how he provides for you. Now, when you do your own thing, all bets are off. I shouldn't have said that. How about uh, when you do your own thing? Well, what you get is what you get. And it was because of your design. All bets are off. Where did that one come from? See, when I go off of my notes, I get in trouble. But look at the, the last part here. I don't know about you, but you know you get to know somebody by asking them questions. And then, and then listening. And then watching. You really get to know somebody pretty well. You just do. So notice what this is. Ask questions, seek answers. And you should ask the hard questions. Ask the hard questions. Let me give you some hard questions. I got some check marks there. Ask them and then search for the answer. I'm going to talk about a couple questions I asked and then the answers I got next week. So here it is. How about this one? Is creation true or is evolution? Well, creation, how do you know? Mm, someone told me. Well, that's not good enough because when you go off to where the the academia, the ivory palaces, they're going to tell you that we're just a bunch of monkeys. Okay? Or were we evolved into something bigger or better. Well, in most cases. Uh, so, sorry. Um, so the second one, is the Bible God's word? Is this really God's word? Is it? Because if you don't believe it's God's word, hey man, what you think is good enough, same you know, help self, self-help books. Well, that one's good. I'll try that one. Try that one. And then if it doesn't line up with God's word, there's trouble down the road. So you got to ask your question. Is the Bible God's word? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Preacher said so. Really? Man, when you got get, started getting nailed by people and it's the devil motivating that hammer, hammer down, you're going to go, oh, I guess it isn't the word of God. Man, I'm absolutely convinced. And I got evidence. You need evidence. It's not blind faith here, brethren. It's not blind faith. Creation, by the way, is not blind faith. It's scientific. Absolutely scientific. I have a video that I just recently showed to a bunch of college kids. And the interesting thing was, is all of the speakers at the front were speaking as if they were atheists. Speaking of the the evolutionary theory very intelligently and it's really cool 
I mean, these guys were big players in the evolutionary uh, ruse here in just recent. They're all still alive. And everyone at the end says, what I wrote, the textbook I wrote, is absolutely wrong. Everything proves intelligent design. Two of them say they believe in God. The others say we believe in an intelligent designer. So intelligent that man will never comprehend how intelligent that being is. They, they started out talking atheists because they were. They're a lot smarter than me. And when they were laying it all out, they laid it out simply so a pea brain like mine could understand it. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate coming down from your big words and putting it where it's like, oh my goodness, that's exactly right. I am amazingly designed. It was awesome. Is Jesus real? Did he exist? There's evidence over evidence over evidence that there's a man named Jesus. Hostile witnesses talking about Jesus and his crucifixion and his, his supposed resurrection. And then his followers lived just like him. And they wouldn't recant their faith. They'd be burned to death, thrown the lines, and they'd still believe in this Jesus. And these hostile witnesses, hostile historians, Romans and uh, Jews, well, we don't even understand how that could even be possible. And yet they spoke of Jesus. Men who are reputed in both the Roman and Jewish cultures at that time. And no one refutes that those guys were real and what they wrote was real. Are his words and his deeds consistent with who he claims to be? Well, let's finish really quickly because the, the second part really is something that, that you need to actually do. Point two, how do we come to know the character of Christ? How do we come to know the character of Christ? What's the first cornerstone principle of trust? Let me read it to you. The moral strength of integrity based upon a set, defined standard. What is the moral standard? What is the, the, the moral set standard that we see in Jesus? Is it consistent with reality and truth? Well, I would ask you to take a look at that second part there, that second, that second bullet. Jesus' set and defined standard of character. Do you want to know what it is? This is how you're going to know him, is to see if his set and defined standard is lived out in his life and is lived out in the lives of those we find in the scriptures as they change over time, like you will see if you're very careful to study, Paul changed and was transformed over time into a loving, compassionate, desiring that his his Jewish brethren would become Christians. He was willing to die for them. What a change. Amazing change. You see, here it is. Are you ready? Jesus set defined standard. If you were to go to John chapter 10, verses 22 to 38, here's what you'd find. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus and the Father are one. There's only one God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How do we know that's true? Go back to the book of Isaiah. Many of you know this passage of scripture. And his name shall be called. A little baby is going to be born to a virgin. And his name shall be called 
Wonderful Counselor, Holy Spirit. Mighty God, all three in one. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son are one mighty God. So you need to know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. Now here's the interesting thing. If you look down at the next two check marks, 1 John 1, 5, God is light. Okay, that's nice. God is light. If you know what light looks like in a character, then you'll know if Jesus Christ has lived up to that character standard. God is light. How many have ever heard the, the statement, God is love? Anybody hear that one before? God is light. God is love. That is the character standard of Jesus. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the manifestation of love of God the Father. Now, if you look at the last point there, quality time to know Christ's character. What is the character of light? I've given you some scriptures. What is the character of light? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9. Galatians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. 22, 23, and 24. Those are the character qualities of light. God is love. What is the character quality of love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You check that one out. 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18. That's just to get you started. Now then what you do. Here's the character standard. Here's Jesus. Do they match? If the character standard matches for what light is and for what love is, Jesus in his character is perfect. Now who's, who's got the burden to prove that Jesus is real? He lived it. He lived his life as an example. The question is, do you know that it's real? Do you know that his character lines up with those two standards of light and love? If they do line up, you can trust him. Why do the people hanging on those stakes being burned to death in Nero's garden refuse to recant their faith, but calling out to people saying, save yourselves from the eternal fire? How were they able to do that, brethren? They trusted Jesus with everything. Just like Paul said. I know and have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've entrusted to him until that day. If the day of death is quick, may I in the closing moments of my death proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord. If my day of death is elongated over a period of hours, May I in that time remember Jesus was brutally beaten over almost a full 24 hours before he finally gave up the, the ghost. And man, that was the greatest and glorious example of a man who trusted God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. May I be that person. May I trust Jesus Christ like he trusted his father because he has proved trustworthy in character. But we're going to look at competency, his ability to do what he said he would do.
That's coming up next week. The ability to do what he said he would do. Did he say it? Did he follow through? Is there the competence to follow through? That's what we'll be looking at next week. We need to study these things out, brethren. How do you get to know someone? Time spent. I've just shared with you where to spend your time. And so you can grow in absolute trust in him. What's the ultimate goal? If you trust in him, you'll do what he says. If you do what he says, you'll be a man or woman of integrity and then people can trust you. Someone outside of the church two weeks ago kind of blew me away. I was talking with them over coffee. You know how I like to meet people for coffee. This guy said, you know what? I don't know what's going on, but it's bad. And it's, I don't think it's going to get better. Now, this is a guy that doesn't know. He just knows. I said, I know the way out. He goes, I don't want to hear about that. Okay? Okay. But if, if things really get crazy and you need, I'm going to be here. I'm staying the course. He goes, good for you. I said, but just know that I'm here. And that conversation didn't, I wasn't intending to have that kind of conversation. It just came to that point. So the door was open and I gave it a shot. But now he knows where I stand. And when things shake out, he's going to see that same man standing in that same place. It says that the last day, the wealth of the nations will come pouring into the church. That's not talking about money. That's talking about people. And people will pour in when they see that you trust God absolutely because God is trustworthy. Let's pray. I'm so deeply thankful, dear Heavenly Father, for the blessing of thinking about, reasoning through, how do I develop trust in another person? And then looking to the scriptures where it teaches how we can trust you as our Lord. It's, it's really the same exact way. It takes time. It takes time for us to listen. It takes time for us to observe. It takes time for us to see what's said and what done is consistent. It takes time to see if the standard of their life is a constant and if it's a standard of goodness and righteousness and truth, the character qualities of light, and that they're sacrificial in their concern for other people, the character quality of love. Father, help me, help us to come to trust you and your son, Jesus Christ, more. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's get all excited. Let's go let everybody know. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.